0: Hello and welcome to Living While Feminist. Living While Feminist is a weekly podcast talking with feminists about the ups and downs, ins and outs, and the emotional rollercoaster ride of living a feminist life. I'm your host, feminist writer, researcher, and author, Jen Thorpe. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with Shari Maluleke, Shari is a feminist writer who's committed to dismantling the patriarchy and fighting for the rights of black women and queer people. Activism and writing are two things that she is most passionate about and she considers herself lucky to do both at the same time. Shari is 20 years old and is currently studying towards a Bachelor of Arts degree at Fitz University. Taking things step by step, she hopes to not only leave a mark but change a few lives along the way, even if it's just her own. Shari's piece in Living While Feminist is called Understanding Myself, and in that piece she says, "Binaries felt more restrictive than eye-opening for a long time in my life. They made me feel like I must ask myself, who should I be, rather than, who am I? Gender was always a matter of energies to me, masculine energy today and feminine energy tomorrow. I choose who I want to be today, and I choose who I want to be tomorrow. So today I'm going to be talking with Shari about her piece, about the power of language and what the future looks like for young feminists. Welcome Shari. Hello. Let's start with your piece, um, which you begin starting with you at age seven, looking at your mother, looking at herself in the mirror and feeling dissatisfied. And this moment introduces you to the idea that there are good and bad bodies and to the world of women trying to control their body through diet pills, weight loss products and meal plans. Why did you decide to start with this moment and what did it mean for you? Um, I
1: started, I wanted to start with this moment because, you know, when you're young, you just have a body and, you know, you never really question it. Well, some people, not everyone. But then, you know, when you're young, you have these eye-opening moments of what is good and what is bad and what is right and what is unjust. And when my mom Um, started questioning herself and her body, I realized that not all bodies are liked and not all bodies are valued. And that kind of set the path for the rest of my life. That moment of just just questioning my body and realizing who I am and understanding the body I have. Um, Because it's just when you, you know your mother is like your first role model, um for some people, and for me personally, she was my first role model, my first person, the first person I looked up to. And so when she started doubting herself and questioning herself, um because you know when you're a child, your parents are kind of like held on this pedestal, and then you know, as you get older, this pedestal is kind of um let like let loose, and your world and your perception of them kind of shatters as you get older. And that was the moment that my perception of my mom started to change. She wasn't the superwoman, but she was a human being with insecurities, especially surrounding the body. And that shaped how I started to see my body as well. Um, from this woman who looked, who I looked up to.
0: You speak in the piece how at about 14 years old you start to develop breasts and are then disappointed with their size because the ones that you've seen on TV and in magazines were so much bigger. You say, I felt less like what a woman should be because I was petite, small-boobed with short hair. And then a year later, someone mistakes you for a boy and you feel highly offended and confused and wonder if you should start dressing more feminine. So in some way, you feel like you should fit in. And in another way, you reject this idea that you should be one way or the other. So tell me how this made you a bit more aware of the
1: limitations of the gender binary. That's a great question. (laughs) But um, for me, it was so growing up, right? My parents, my, my family makes jokes about it all the time, how I was the son my father never had. And that's because growing up, I, you know, you know how toys are gendered as well. So girls were always getting Barbie dolls or dollhouses. Um, so when my sister, I have an older sister, was playing with dolls and, you know, all these things, I was playing with toy cars and I was playing on PlayStation. And the thing is, I had the best of both worlds. So my mother never, she never raised me like you have to play with dolls and you have to, you know, Play with doll houses. She would. I would just point to a car and be like, "I want it," and she'd be like, "Okay." Um, it's the same with how I dressed. Um, when I uh, growing up, I had different types of clothing from both the boys section and the girls section because clothing wasn't really a gendered thing for me. It was really uh, like I said in the book, uh, adolescence, when adolescence happened, where people started actively commenting on my body and people started making remarks. Uh, on my body and people started, um, you know, assuming my gender identity, assuming my sexuality, because I didn't conform to this high, uh, this representation of a highly feminine woman. And of course, there's nothing wrong with being a highly feminine woman, but it just, it's when people started commenting on my body, they made me, it's like they wanted to show me what I didn't have instead of what I did. So, they'd always make comments like, um, Your hair is too short. Um, why do you dress like this? Why, why, you know, always, why are you like this? And these small microaggressions um, over time made me realize that um, the boxes that I'm supposed to fit myself in don't really, you know, define me 100%. Um, and it was tough growing up uh, as, as, you know genderqueer because at the time I didn't understand I was genderqueer, but um, I always just thought I was just different, a different type of woman, which is fine because there are different ways to be a woman, there's no correct way to be a woman. But in terms of my personal gender identity at that time, I just thought the way I thought about myself and my body because of all these comments made me think that I should be more feminine, that I should be more of a woman, that I should have long hair, long nails, wear more dresses, um, act less tomboyish. Um, and it's, it's tough because it makes you realize how much other people's opinions can shape you as a person. Um, but uh, after leaving high school and entering university, I was lucky to meet queer people and be in queer spaces. Um, and through university and all these amazing connections, I actually realized that who I am is okay, and um, just because you're not what society wants you to be, it doesn't invalidate your existence as a person. Um, It's been a tough journey, but yes.
0: You talk in the piece specifically about learning the term genderqueer, which in the piece you define as denoting or relating to a person who doesn't subscribe to conventional gender distinctions, but identifies with neither, both, or a combination of male and female genders. So for anyone who's listening and doesn't know anyone who is genderqueer or thinks that they don't know anyone who is genderqueer, can you explain why pronouns are really important in this discussion for you? I mean, In the piece you say yours are she, her, they and them. And what is the role of those terms and why do they matter?
1: Um, so for me, pronouns are really important because A, it's how the person identifies, but also B, it's because... Um, how, how do I say this? So when, okay, when I started to learn about different genders, which wasn't even that long ago, like two, three years ago, I would also ask myself like the importance of gender and pronouns, but it's just uh, pronouns are just a way for people to you know represent themselves, and it's a very important I think pronouns are also a very important way to show allyship and to show respect to a person. So when a person tells you that they identify as they, it's it's not because they're trying to, you know, be different or it's not because they want attention, but it's because how it's how they feel about themselves. And that's so important in terms of creating a world of empathy and understanding, because, you know, um, people aren't, you know, trans or non-binary or genderqueer because, you know, they they don't, you know, you know, the excuses of like because they want attention or because they didn't grow up properly. No, people are trans or non-binary or genderqueer because it's who they are and it's how they feel it best represents themselves, which is why respecting people's pronouns are so important. Um, but also um, my pronouns for me specifically just showcase the fluidity of my gender identity. You know, I'm still figuring out my journey in terms of gender identity. And as of yesterday, even after talking to my therapist, I I came to realize that um, genderqueer for me is is more about like how I feel on a day to day basis. And it's obviously different for different people. But um, through learning this language, because I actually learned it through a National Geographic magazine that was talking about the gender revolution, And it was amazing because um, I was like 17 at the time in matric and I just picked up this magazine I found in the study room and they were just talking about all these genders, how it's not just only man and woman or trans man and trans woman, but there's also agender, gender genderqueer, non-binary and all these terms. And I was like, this is like incredible, you know, that um, we are living, we dare to live outside this world of binaries. And after learning this, you know, and I'm still learning because I I was I was flipping between non-binary and genderqueer for the past year because I wasn't sure where I stood. But I finally landed on genderqueer again. And so it's just it was just I think in terms of just the language also and just pronouns. It's not a thing of like trying to be different and it's not a thing of like I'm craving attention, but it really is a thing of like this is who I am and this is how I feel I belong. And it's sad because we live in a world that shaped our thinking into into dualistic thinking of like black and white, up and down, good and bad. So people can't fathom a flexible way of thinking sometimes, but also people can't fathom thinking on a spectrum. So it's 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 amazing that we are living in a time where people are starting to express themselves in a fluid way but also on a spectrum and that our thinking needs to go beyond this dualistic um way of thinking
0: i think also based on what you said earlier around you know we are able to dress and act in whichever way that we choose if we're if we're lucky and safe enough to be able to do that and that being and recognizing pronouns and starting with hi my name is Jane, my pronouns are she and her helps for people in the room to avoid people making assumptions about what they are and then misgendering them. And I think it's really nice that you've spoken about it as as a process of becoming because I think for many people who have been born and raised and identify as the gender that they were born and raised as, they don't really see it as a process of becoming. They think that they were born as a man or as a woman. That's how they've always been. And so I think when people are genderqueer or non-binary they show up the fact that we are all becoming, that this has been a process for all of us, that this isn't something innate. Um, and that can make people who don't really know how to react to that uncomfortable, but there's absolutely no need to be that. It's it's a recognition that we're all on a journey. It's a It's a beautiful recognition that gives us all more space to be who we are. I loved in the piece how you spoke about that moment of coming out to your best friend and how it was just the best, most affirming experience. About it, you say in the piece, the greatest gift I've ever received is loving and being loved, which for me was very moving. And I think friendship is such an important part of being a feminist and of being who you are. Can you tell us about that moment so we can all have a bit of feel-good listening? <laughs>
1: um. So this was just after I discovered... The term genderqueer and basically I was like super nervous (laughs) but also the thing about me is that um, when I discover an important part of myself I have to like tell someone immediately (laughs) which is you know I'm working on it. Um, I'm highly aware of you know I'm so lucky to have friends who you know before I even came out um, who were queer themselves and who were allies of the LGBTQ community already So the first person I told was my best friend, and it was on the phone, and basically um, I was WhatsApping her, and I was just like, I have something really important I have to tell you, and she was like, "Um, what's wrong? I hope you're okay, and I said, no, I just wanted to take this moment and tell you that um, I think I'm genderqueer. I identify as genderqueer, and my pronouns are she, her, and they, and them. And the thing is, like, she typed. She was typing for a while, <laughs> and I got nervous because I was like, "Oh, uh, what does this mean? Will she be uncomfortable with this?" And then, you know how WhatsApp, you know, shows that someone's typing. And then she stopped typing, and then she started to record a voice note. And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I was like, "Oh no!" And then, um, she sent me the voice note with her response, and she was basically just saying that, um. You know, she still loves me and she still, you know, it doesn't change how she sees about me. But the most beautiful thing she said to me was that me being genderqueer makes a lot of sense because who I am as a person can't be boxed. And like, that was so heartfelt to me. Um, and that moment really just gave me so much confidence to, ke- to come out to other people. Um, it was such a beautiful moment for me because she made, she validated who I am but also she said it's okay that you're not in these binaries and it's okay that who you are as a person can't be labeled x y and z and it was a really beautiful moment for me and I, and I think about that moments during dark times and times when I'm uncertain but I'm so lucky to have to have people who do support me for who I am, and I'm highly aware of a lot of people who don't have that, but um, like you said, friendship has been a core part of my identity, but friendship has also been a core part of support that I've had, and I'm so grateful, because even at times where I felt like I couldn't trust family, I had friends, I always had friends to rely on, um so yeah that was just one of the most one of my most defining moments in terms of love and support
0: well I'm just sitting here with like the biggest smile on my face it's such a a great story and it's such an encouraging story I think for people who are like you say afraid who when they see those dots when someone's typing they're thinking oh my gosh genuinely what is going to happen now and I think it's you know it's not worth pretending that it's not scary to tell people a truth about yourself that you're not sure how they're gonna feel about and I think it was so brave and it's such a lovely story and and it's so important to keep that community for whoever you are to have people that you can look in the eye and you know that they love you regardless you know doesn't matter what
1: yes 100% we're
0: speaking about this just about maybe a year or two after you've discovered this term which has been like a key to opening the door of understanding yourself and you say in your piece that even though you have this key now there's still times when you silence yourself so I'm interested to know what are the causes or what are the moments when you feel the need to be silent and whether you know this year later you finding it any easier to speak up
1: I was genuinely having this conversation with my therapist yesterday so (laughs) I tend to silence myself when it comes to safety a lot so Um, I don't come out a lot in terms of my gender identity. So in terms of my sexuality, I'm really open about my sexuality. Um, But in terms of my gender identity, I'm not as open. Um, But yeah, it has to do a lot with safety. I don't know who I can trust. I don't know who I can't trust, especially with making new friends um, at university. I'm still learning to trust people. Um, So... But I guess sometimes me silencing myself is also just, I don't want to say a coping mechanism, it's more of a defense mechanism, I guess, silencing myself, because in terms of my personality, um, I tend to just like have a fear of making people uncomfortable. I don't like being a nuisance. And I think it dwells from that also in terms of like, I'm highly aware of how my gender identity a lot of the time can make people uncomfortable. And obviously, I'm trying to unlearn that my existence is for me and no one else but you know it's indoctrinated into people especially people who identify as women um from like a really young age you know submission is you know indoctrinated into women and like politeness and um i'm trying really hard to unlearn that of just like being polite all the time and trying not to take up space but it's it's a genuine thing of like it's really hard because I didn't grow up taking up space. I grew up being the good girl. I grew up um, being the person who, I don't know, who tried their hardest to make other people comfortable in situations and, you know, coming. And unfortunately that's had um, bad results in terms of my identity and my confidence in who I am as a person, but I am unlearning it and I am trying to like walk with passion and walk not on eggshells but um I think it just comes from that indoctrination of like a woman a good woman is a submissive and polite woman yeah and I just think that as a trans person or someone in the trans community it does have to do with safety a lot because it's just heartbreaking all the time I have um a lot of the time I'm aware of the fact that I have Um, female or woman passing privilege so even though I identify as gender queer I can I still have the privilege as passing off as a woman a lot of the time and not a lot of trans people have that so it's just heartbreaking when you read a lot of stories about trans people being killed for who they are trans people being violated in so many disgusting violent ways for who they are that has just forced me to just create safety um, of not, you know, identifying myself a lot, just only to like a specific few.
0: You know, we've talked about your beautiful coming out story and of the trust and love that can be on the receiving end when you when you find the right people to start that journey of coming out with. And I think it's important to be mindful of safety and taking care of yourself in the process as well. You You describe it so... Beautifully in your piece, because you speak about a flower blooming and you say, My body is a flower silently waiting to bloom, and all I can learn to do is treat it with the kindness and gentility it deserves. What are your hopes and aspirations for the future as a young feminist in this wild world that we're living in?
1: A future I want to see is just like a future where women are safe, regardless of where they live. Women have autonomy, but also a future where we're not defined by how masculine or how feminine we are. And I'm not even talking only in terms of the trans community, Um, but I'm just talking about like cisgendered norms as well. Like every person, well, every cisgendered person I've met doesn't, you know, tick all the boxes for what a man is or for what a woman is. And I think that says a lot. I think human beings, we are so... We are so adamant on organization that we forget that at the end of it all, we're still human beings. And it's so, it's so dangerous to just put people in boxes all the time because then you just make them feel insecure and you make them feel like they're not enough. And I guess the world I'm aiming for is just a world where, first of all, um, everyone has equality. And I know it's so easy to say that, but just a world where justice is served and A world where there's representation, first of all, representation for people who look like me, Um, because that's something I struggled with um, recently in lockdown is just, you know, I have moments where I question my body and I just get very insecure in my body. And it's an up and down process, confidence and security in oneself. I realize a large part of my insecurity comes from not seeing myself represented and I mean, in like romantic stories, in lead stories, in superhero stories, I rarely see Black, uh, queer or gender queer people represented, and it's so tough. I just want a world where like beauty is celebrated and th- like different types of beauty, diverse ideas of beauty. And I get it, beauty is a commodity, and like. This capitalist regime but it's like I just want a world where people are accepted for who they are they are validated for who they are but most importantly they are they are celebrated for who they are on top of it it's tough because we're just given an idea of what a correct person looks like for so long that you know we forget that other types of existing are out there but that's the world I want where people just feel valid and they are loved and celebrated regardless of whether they are black or or brown or disabled or queer and
0: i think that sounds like a really great future to be living in uh, probably you should add the way we don't have to people please
1: anymore <laughs> yeah Yo, it's tiring
0: <laughs> yeah it's tiring and it's easy like you say it's something that we're raised to do as women and we're raised as people who must make everybody else comfortable before ourselves and that has a huge health toll and it makes me very happy to hear that you are going for therapy because it is I mean, it's been an investment that I've made in my life. And I honestly feel every single cent I've ever spent on therapy is the best money that I've ever spent. So you are studying a Bachelor of Arts, and this has been a really tough year to be at university. Can you tell us a bit about what you're studying and what it's been like to be a student in COVID lockdown
1: 2020? Yo, where do I even begin? Okay, so... um. I'm currently in my second year of studying a humanities degree, so a general Bachelor of Arts, and my course subjects, or my course my courses, rather, are um, African literature, psychology and international relations. And if I had to be 100 percent honest, it's online learning has been really hard, um, and this is from someone who's living in a very middle-class privileged space so I haven't even felt the worst part of this lockdown but mentally um it's been really tough on my anxiety and my depression because there are just days where I'm like I can't even look at a screen (laughs) because like when you think about it all you do is look at a screen all the time it's been really tough mentally because you're not this time you're not only learning but you have to teach yourself and you're basically responsible for all the things you learn and you're teaching. And it's also just hard for me, like many people, because I, I prefer interactive spaces to learn. I like having discussions. I like having difficult conversations and lectures. And I'm sad because COVID lockdown deprived me of that and a lot of people of that. Um, but it was also hard because, you know, we're social beings. Human beings are social beings. And I actually didn't realize it until lockdown how much I just took human interaction for granted. Because even though university was tough before lockdown, I still had, I still could see my friends during the breaks and I was still going out with friends and I was still venting to friends and like seeing people. And, you know, you don't realize how much people, how much interaction with people is an important part of happiness and like growth. (laughs) It was just like, oh, just like this intense loneliness on top of academic learning. And I think that's, you know, something everyone felt. But yeah, being a student in 2020 was very challenging, very eye opening. Not only did it make me question my capacity to learn, but like it also made me question my privilege and, you know, the fact that I have all like a laptop and Wi Fi at home. But, you know, a student that, sit, that used to sit next to me doesn't have any of those things. Online learning really required um, support. Um, Because it's so nice messaging my friends being like, I can't do this test. And my friends are like, same. Um, And, you know, we obviously get it done. But it's nice, you know, at the end of the day to know that I have a support system and to know that I'm not alone in this very difficult journey. And And really the thing that's gotten me through online learning is, you know, other people.
0: We have three last questions that I'm asking everyone at the end of the podcast. The first is, do you have a book that has inspired your feminist journey?
1: Ooh, too many. <laughs> um, but the first book that came to mind was uh, A Thousand Splendid Sons. Yo, that book is too much. <laughs> and to be honest, I didn't expect... I didn't expect it to be as relatable as it was, obviously because the context is very different, but it's one of the most beautiful stories I have truly ever read, Um, because it just talks about the importance of the companionship between women, especially in very toxic and tough situations. So A Thousand Splendid Sons, 100% was literally one of the most stunning novels um that really inspired my feminism because i think it also just opened my eye up to different types of feminism um that women in afghanistan which where the book is based is are fighting different battles than women in south africa and it's the same that women in america are fighting different battles to women in you know brazil or something you know so it was just it was very eye-opening because it made me see the different ways women are fighting for their rights and it was, it's a very beautiful book. But um, just one more book also is Nervous Conditions uh, by Titi Tangaremba. Uh, one of my favorite novels uh, based in Zimbabwe. And yeah, it's also very stunning because it's based on the relationship between two cousins, uh, Nyasha and Tambutai. And again, it also has that very important theme of companionship between women and Um, It shows different types of radicality. So Nyasha is like the very radical, like I own my body, sex positive type feminist, whereas Tambutai is also as she's a little bit conservative, but her feminism, because she grew up in poverty, her feminism mostly revolves around upward mobility and accessing education that her brother had that she couldn't have access to because she was a girl. And her family and her brother was the only boy in her family but also it just opened your eye up to poverty classism um yeah so those were like two novels that heavily defined my feminist ideas because it just opened my world up to so many different worlds out there
0: mm. and do you have a quote that you live by or that inspires you
1: um I don't know if it's gonna make sense it makes sense in writing but the quote is like, sisters, not sis, like, not sisters, and basically, it's just, that quote basically has to do with the fact that feminism should be about the inclusion of all women, including trans women, so the cis, the, the last cis is C-I-S, in terms of, like, cisgendered sisters, and I just love that quote, because it's, like, feminism should be for everyone, and it baffles me that there's, like, Turf, like they are turfs like trans exclusionary radical feminists because I don't consider that feminism but um, yeah I just really love that quote because it has to do with like the inclusion of trans women in the feminist fight and the fact that trans women are just as vital for the fight as every type of woman.
0: Yeah, beautiful. And <laughs> um, do you have any advice for other
1: feminists on their journeys? It's tough um it's hard there're going to be a lot of hopeless moments and they are going to there's going to be a lot of crying <laughs> a lot of frustration and protect your mental health that's what i say to everyone just like protect your mental health because it this journey is hard but at the end of it you have a community of people who will who support you who believe in you who believe in the same things as you and even though change is slow like feminism has really created an impact and feminism has changed the world. And the fact, and like, that's why you should never give up because what I don't even know, but how many years ago women couldn't even vote. And now look, there are women in government and women who are presidents. But on top of that, we are having these difficult conversations about masculinity and gender. Um, so really like feminism, as much as it seems that the change is very slow, the change is happening. And it just takes you not giving up and just believing in the bigger cause, no matter how hard it gets. I think
0: that is, again, very wise words from someone so young. This is a journey. We're all in it together. And the, the wins are small and few and far between, but there are wins. I think just listening to you talking about representation in the beauty industry, when I was your age or when I was a child growing up, there was only white, thin women in magazines. And that was in you know, in South Africa post-democracy. And now we see different things. So it, it's slow, but it is changing. I suppose a good addition to that would be to not, if the change isn't happening fast enough for you, then do something about it. Thank you so much for coming on the chat with me, and being on your screen on another day of your life in this lockdown world. I really appreciate your insights and advice and the, your writing is beautiful. And I hope to be reading more of it soon.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful for this opportunity.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Living While Feminist with me, Jen Thorpe. Please do tune in next week to hear more from feminists about their lives and experiences. Take care of yourselves.